Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. This podcast aims to provide a safe space that explores mental health within the Black community, breaks down the stigmas attached while taking back our narratives. Welcome, welcome to the welcome. Blind Stigma Podcast. I am Dr. Natasha Williams. And I am Stacey Ann Buchanan. Thank you so much for joining us today. So today our guest is Shaniqua. So Shaniqua is the program manager for Black Women in Motion, youth worker for Delta Family Resource Center, and co-lead for Recon and Quest, a travel study initiative for undergraduate Black students. Her passions are with serving her community and learning to create constructive and accessible spaces. Right now, her main focus is working towards developing her future in African diasporic relations and environmental sustainability. Other than gardening, she loves thrift shopping, makeup, music, dancing, and making people smile. Currently, Shaniqua is in her last year majoring in history and hopes to continue traveling when she graduates. Shaniqua, um, Shaniqua sounds, she is that, that woman that I would love to go to brunch with. Ah. You know, um, and her story too, she talks about anxiety and depression, and it's something that I can personally relate to. And what I love about her journey is is that she knows that not everything works for everyone and she tries everything that she can to make sure that it's working for her she finds what works for her i saw the perfect quote for shaniqua philip and um it goes like this unlearning requires patience relearning requires trial and error. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that describes her journey and her story to a T. So let's welcome Shaniqua. Here we go. Hi, Shaniqua. Welcome to the Blind Stigma. I'm Stacey M. Buchanan. And I am Dr. Natasha Williams. Welcome, welcome to the Blind Stigma podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just going to dive into it and we're going to get into, if you can please tell us your story. Sure. So, um, as mentioned, my name is Shaniqua, um, born and partially raised in Toronto. I also grew up in Brooklyn, New York for a little bit, um, and was there for about like five and a half, six years and then came back to Toronto and started um, at York University in like 2010-2011 and I'm starting there I guess because that's where my that's where like my mental health journey kind of began in terms of like understanding it Mm, and the shifts that started to happen for me was um when I was able to recognize it and put language to it was in university. Okay. Okay. Um, 
So started university, everything was great. Um, but the transition was more difficult than I thought. Um, cause the environment like was so different. I had spent a year in college in the States before coming, but the environment was so different. Uh, the circumstances as to how I came, started university were different. So I had some time adjusting, especially cause I had a heavy course load and no real guidance as to whether or not, um, I could even like maintain the course load or like do the work. Um, so my body went through a lot. Like at that time, again, didn't really know it when it uh, much about um, how to address um, what I was feeling in terms of my mental wellness, but I was going through a lot physically. Um, I was sick all the time. Um, and my immune system just wasn't like really strong. Um, but it just seems so normalized. Like I think the university environment also really normalizes these things. Um, so I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, and in between this, I was dealing with um, financial distress in terms of not being able to get OSEP my first year. Um, and all these different kind of situations. So then I had to take a year off to work, to pay off my first year, then came back. And um, that year really, um, things really started to take a turn. Um, I have always been, I mean, in addition to this, um, I've always been like in, overachiever kind of fit kind of kind of but also um I've grown to realize like I'm overachiever but at sometimes distracted um but I was involved heavily within uh the black students association at my school mm-hmm. um and while that was great that was also really taxing because um you know, planning and organizing things for the Black student body on top of trying to maintain my own um, mental health was just a lot. So, again, I started to feel a lot of uh, changes in my body physically in terms of, like, my health would be, like, my health depleting, but didn't know how to put a name to anything that I was feeling Um, because it was getting harder and harder to get up out of bed. It was getting harder and harder to um, focus. It was getting harder and harder to just do the things that I normally would do. And even when I was doing the things, even when I was doing like the routine or practicing a routine that would normally help me um, when I felt those ways, nothing was working. Um, so for a long time, I was confused and not really acting on things. I mean, I had to constantly ask professors for, um, extensions or drop courses or all of the above when it came to school. Like I'm pretty, I'm not a great student. 
um, <laughs> at all. Um, my professors know me by name, and yes, because I'm a bright student, but also because they knew what it was when I was coming to them. So <laughs> um, and I haven't always been the greatest student. Um, but yeah, that just continued to persist, and um, certain situations happened where I was directed to those spaces, uh, to spaces for support. Um, and that, uh, that second year, um, it was other students, like other students that were my friends that might've gone through something similar, um, or who were older than me that were able to direct me to those spaces. Um, not really administration, (laughs) um, uh, had to learn a lot of how to get support, um, on my own, really, Uh rather than like, I mean, professors will kind of tell you, but not really. It would be like maybe a TA that will help a little bit more, (laughs) but um, just wasn't a lot of support. I had to find out a lot of things um, and services and supports on my own. So um, that year was okay, but things just progressively um, got worse as like things got harder um, and there was more pressure on me and that was at school because the home front wasn't always like easy either Um, so in terms of that background a little bit all over the place my apologies no 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 no. you're you're no I I, you're actually making sense because um you know you you we you want to get an understanding of yes you know it sounds like there was issues you know you know in the school life but you know you're also mentioning that you know it's it's not devoid of issues that are happening at home as well so you're not all over the place you're doing great you're doing really good thanks so um at home so while growing up, I should say, because like that's where it kind of the foundation of that stuff is. Um, I grew up. Thankfully, I have a great family, and I, I grew up in like a mixed family in the sense that um, my mother, uh, while she was in my life, was not the one who raised me. Okay. It was my aunts who raised me. Okay. My aunts, two of my aunts, and one of my uncles, because when I was about three and a half four years old, my mother was deported um, oh. from Canada. Oh, okay. So I lived with her for a little bit. Um, she's from Dominica. I lived with her for a little bit in Dominica, um, okay. but then came back. Um, well, I moved to New York uh, with my aunt who, who raised me. Um, and lived in New York for like eight months and then came back to Toronto. I see. Okay. Um, and was, was uh, yeah, it was with my aunt. So that um, wasn't easy because my father also wasn't in the picture um, after that. After my mom had uh, been deported, my father wasn't really in the picture. I see. It was just like my aunt, her son, and um, me. And my aunt was a single parent. Um, And things were rough in the sense that, like, you know, my aunt did her best. And I'm so thankful for her because we had our own traditions. 
and things that we do and she made things fun like she did she did her thing mm-hmm. <laughs> raising us mm-hmm. um but sometimes it wasn't hard being a young black girl in a caribbean household isn't always easy uh-huh. especially when right. you're the only girl oh um, because yes. there's certain expectations that are that people have of how they want you to perform in school uh within your behavior um and etc right mm-hmm. and i wasn't always like that i was a little bit rambunctious because I literally was the only girl. All my aunts and uncles that are here in my immediate family, um, all of them have sons. Oh, um, it was, I was literally the only girl. So um, I was always, I was running up and down with them, ramping and acting out with them. Like I wasn't really um, any different. And sometimes I didn't always blow over well. Um, (laughs) But minus that, um, Again, my aunt is a great person, but sometimes it was just a bit rough um, because those expectations got so heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, when you don't meet them, you're very aware that you do not meet them. Yeah. Very straightforward. But yeah, you're very <laughs> aware that you do not meet the expectations. Um, but when you do, right, again, as a young black girl, you're not really congratulated or celebrated all the time. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. This, right? sound, this sounds because familiar. <laughs> it's like it's expected that you're able to perform in a particular kind of way because, you know, now we have the language again, like because of the fact that um, young black girls um, are adultified in a particular kind of way, it's expected that you know how to act. It's expected that you're more mature um, and can take care of things, which at times I did have to, you know, she was going to school at the same time while raising us. And even though I was the younger one in the house by a year, I would be the person that would be like, make sure that you guys eat, make sure that this is this and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, like that's kind of like sometimes where those pressures fester. Um, and then beyond beyond those expectations it's like because of the fact that you want like i at least for me i really wanted um to be affirmed in a particular kind of way i did the most (laughs) right i would be in school doing my best in my grades being involved in all different kinds of um programming and Excuse me, sorry. And um, just always trying to like prove something. Right. Yes. Um, and this translated to when I went, when I moved to Brooklyn, it was a similar situation. Um, the move was difficult. My house, uh, and yeah, my house environment was um, a bit strenuous at times for a teenage girl, especially things start moving and growing and shifting (laughs) and people are very concerned about, um, how you are moving in the world. Right. Um, and that's another layer. So beyond being a a young, a little black girl and dealing with that, now I'm a young, young, like adolescent woman, um, and dealing with, 
trying to deal with understanding the changes in my body um, and accepting my body. But then um, that always being really difficult because I've never been a small person. I've always, uh, I've never been a small person. So how um, I'm shown in the world, I'm like, as a black woman, but as a black woman, that's also um, looks a particular kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, always like over-sexualized and hypersexualized, and not only having to deal with that like in the public sphere of like other men, but also having to deal with that at home um, because you're like it's like this heavy policing that's happening like of how you dress again and how you act. So all these different layers come into come into play as to um my story because um it can affect like your confidence it can affect um how you were able to accept yourself and um ground yourself in a way where it's like you know that you have a foundation um of, of people who can encourage you and push you forward. And yes, that did happen. But on other ends, it was a little bit more difficult because the language always, the language always wasn't like, it wasn't always like super supportive. Right. Right. right? Mm. Um, I'm going to fast forward back into university and actually so, i think and i think that'll be um that'll be a good um and sorry i, I interrupted you my apologies i think that's actually going to be a good segue because um what i want what we were wanting to ask you is how are you able to then address address all of this because you're talking about you know you you started off with talking about sort of the struggles in university and then the struggles in growing up and and you know expectation and identity and confidence I mean you've 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 touched on so much already so I'm glad you said you're going to come back now to university because I was going to ask you then you know how are you able to to address all of these issues I know you alluded to it a little bit saying you sort of had to navigate some of that stuff on your own but I would love to hear uh, you know sort of bringing the story back to university how were you now able to start addressing all of this when it came to a head? Well, um, it did not come easy at all. Mm. Um, so again, fast forwarding to let's say third, fourth, whatever year, it's been a while that I've been in school um, <laughs> and we'll figure and we'll get to that at the end. <laughs> right. Um, so in fast forwarding to like after second year, going into third year, fourth year, whatever, um, those things that I was trying to do to overachieve to trying in trying to like um, prove something and trying to add value beyond, you know, just trying to add more value to what I'm doing and like, I guess, garner a particular kind of affirmation um like that attitude transferred into university right and like I think that's a part of the shift that has to be spoken about that like if you are in, and it, it might not be for everybody but who you are or how you are in high school might not be the same person that you are in university mm-hmm. of course. Um, yes. and just um now I've realized that um I had to do a lot of learning to unlearn as to how I, you know, digest and um, 
like how I digest information, right? How do I learn? Like that's something that um, I really didn't know how to do. And those are kind of the things that came up because more demands came up. I was involved within the Black Students Association. I was involved within the student union. Um, and the things that were once the ways that I thought would, um, that did ground me at a point in time, right? Because being away from home became a bit of a refuge. Mm, okay. uh, but I didn't, but in the shift of space and me coming here to back to Toronto, um, home was a safe place for me. But I like, you know, all old habits die hard. And I didn't really know what the problem was at the time, because I'm like, this is how I am. This is what I do. Um, but, um, and being like being involved in, um, all those things where I like all the things that I was doing, I learned a lot. Um, but that I learned a lot in those spaces, but it didn't, it wasn't helpful as to how I was learning in the classroom. And it wasn't helpful as to how I was able to digest information because, because of the expectations that I had on me that I was able to learn a particular kind of way and digest information in a particular kind of way, I was not giving myself time to learn. Okay. Right. I was putting in a lot of work and a lot of um, time into things that were around me, but I was not really investing that time within to uh, my studies or myself because my self-care wasn't there. Oh, right. Let's okay. just be very clear. That was not there because I was still really sick. I was still like, um, I was really sick. And then I was also really indulgent. Right. So I was really sick. Um, and I would be in and out of the hospital while I was in university. I, I was actually diagnosed with asthma oh, because I was dealing with, um, I, like shortness of breath. Uh -huh. Right. Um, I was like, I couldn't breathe properly at a point in time. My heart would like be skipping beats. And because I was just under so much pressure um, of feeling like I had to do everything, mm -hmm. right? And that's because that's what I saw as well. Like, my aunts did everything. Everything, yeah. The woman around me did everything. The black woman. And never, and, and never showed, quote-unquote, I'll say, um, the ways in which that... Um, those things might have been um, deteriorating their own mental health. 100%. Right? Because, yes. Oh, my because goodness. Some, because um, so in, in talking about, like, the relationship with one of my aunts or, like, sometimes with the women in my life, I think because, like, there was, we would butt heads at times because um, it was expected that I could. Um, and yeah, it was like, the expectation is that you could, the expectation is like, you're fine. Um, and if we did it, you can do it too. I think that, that it, it, yeah, it, like it, it's, that a, it's it was, a, it's a generational thing, right? It's yes. like, well, we, you know, we, we had to put all of this on our shoulders and we survived. So I don't understand why you're not surviving as well. And right. your problem is yeah. nothing compared to what I went through. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's, a, yeah. that's another you one. Know? Um, cause I mean, my aunts were doing, doing what it is that they were doing and had children to also take care of. Yes. of that. Yes. While that, while that is 
I don't know how they did it. <laughs> my first year of university, I asked my aunt, how did you do it? With two kids, much oh less one wow. because, or none, <laughs> much less none, because I don't know how, like, this is really intense. Um, so, yeah. And then, so those expectations, I still really felt them because, but it wasn't even like, it was a point in time where, um, it wasn't even put on me, but it was just manifested within me that I should, that I can be able to do all of these things. So I never stopped myself from doing them. So I, again, tried to do it all. I pushed myself to the limit several times. Um, I'm not a person with, uh, uh, like a a chronic illness, Mm -hmm. but my immune system was really like in really, really bad, bad shape. Um, I started to develop allergic reactions to food that I would always be able to eat um, and like break out into hives. I developed um, neck and shoulder um, pain. Well, I mean, I had, I had a car accident in between, um, within my schooling, I, I was involved in a car accident and, um, yeah, I developed neck and shoulder pain, but I didn't even realize, um, and started to have tension headaches and could not, it was just really painful. Like, do you feel, I'm sorry to cut you, but do you feel like this was your body's way of, of letting you know that something isn't mindfully right something is not right and you're not addressing what isn't what what isn't happening you're not addressing it well you're not addressing what is happening to you so your body is kind of reacting in a way absolutely absolutely the reason Um, why i the reason why i asked this is because you i'm going to piggyback to where you stayed where you shared your symptoms of asthma getting um mm -hmm. being diagnosed with asthma and with the shortness of breath and the heart beating fast. And those were the symptoms that I felt when I was going through anxiety. Mm-hmm. And when my when I was showing um, the actions of not sleeping, doing everything fast, and you know, I was trying to convince my body that everything is fine, everything is fine, until my body just showed me, listen, you know, I'm not going to make you breathe, and your heart is going to feel like it's, it's going to bust out of this cage that is just closing down on it, clamping down on it. So I, I, I just yeah. want, I, I wanted to... Um, get a get a full understanding of that because I I can relate to your story so much because I put so much pressure on myself to be this achiever. I'm, I'm here in Canada. I come up from Jamaica and the land of milk and honey and I have to be great. I have to do yeah. amazing things because I get this opportunity to come and not many people get it. So I mm-hmm. I I want to let you know that I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, no, that's essentially what it was. I, I didn't, my apologies, I didn't get to what exactly I was dealing with, but, um, I did, I was able to recognize at a point in time, again, through counsel of like friends and conversations and later on, uh, um, like, uh, a doctor that, um, I was dealing with anxiety. Now I'm not, I'm not like diagnosed mm-hmm. and like that's that's a that's a whole nother um, ballpark as to how like black folks are even able to get the access to be diagnosed with certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I'm like, I'm not a, di- I'm not a person that's diagnosed, but I have like literally all the symptoms, okay. um, of dealing with anxiety, especially like with some of the trauma that I dealt with growing up, um, of like not having my mom in my life, not having my dad in my life. Um, you know, like the, the frustrations at home and like just trying while trying to fit in and all this different kind of stuff. Like, um, I definitely, um, deal with anxiety and it manifested in my body in a way, like I, when I speak to people about my condition, I always tell them that like, I felt it, I feel it in my body before I feel it in my mind. Mm. in the sense that it would sit in my stomach like I would have I know it um I've been dealing with or I like I was dealing with stomach issues for a very very long time um and that was due to my anxiety to the point where I had to get prescribed like a particular kind of acid to help with easing my stomach right like that's that's how it started it started with my stomach then it it brought down my immune system and then I was dealing with the allergic reactions. Then I was dealing with back to back infections, eye infections, sinus infections, throat and respiratory infections. Overall, I had things that I had never had as a kid, bronchitis, like sinus, sinusitis, um, just respiratory issues that I had never, ever dealt with were coming up because my immune system was, pretty much shot um, because of the amount of stress that I was putting on myself and just like kept on pushing um, for the cause, like, you know, for the causes that I had put myself in. And a lot of this, you know, I I mentioned confidence, confidence. A lot of this had to do also with my self-worth, right? That um, that component of valuing your self-worth uh, based off of the output of work that you're able to do, right? right? The um, external validation. That I think a lot of uh, Black folks deal with, particularly like in my experience as a Black woman, that's something that um, was just really prevalent as to like why these things kept coming up. Um, but yeah, so... That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because a lot of times, you know, um, and especially for us as black women, it's this, you know, how much can we do on the outside? Where do we get all this external validation from to believe that that external validation defines our own self-worth? But then what we have to do is keep on doing these things and keep on pressuring ourselves and doing all of this external stuff um, because our self-worth is not coming from within. It's coming from these external, these external resources. So, yeah. so what yeah. ends up happening is, is that, and you know, and, and I think I've said this before, but you know, our bodies cannot remain in that kind of stress mode for, for a significant period of time or else the body starts to break down. Right. And I, and I think, yeah. and I, you know, you've explained it so eloquently in terms of, you know, what, unfortunately what your body had gone through as a result of just that consistent level of stress. Yeah. Yeah. I was in and out of the hospital for like 
I'll say two years. Oh like my I would, goodness. I would have to be like in and out of that, like always like going to emerge because, um, I couldn't breathe properly or I was having like really like the tension headaches where, um, when they, when those started, it was, it was pain, like pain that I had never experienced in my life. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, so like that, like I was at a point in time, just like in and out of the hospital because of the things that I was doing and the way that I was pushing myself. And to reiterate again, it was connected to my self-worth because I, I just thought that like, you know, the more I do, like the more this will affirm who I am. Right. Um, and then like also not giving myself enough time to actually see what like my, what my vision is or what it is that I actually want to be doing um, with, with my life. Like what, what is good for me? Right. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm performing a level of certain level of black womanhood um, that is not necessarily what I want to do. Right. But it's the, it's the way that um, I know. Mm -hmm. Right. And even when I was saying these things, learning these things, talking to other black women about these things, I still don't, didn't know how to apply it to myself. Right. So, um, Fast forward a little bit again. And in between this time, like, I'm literally failing school. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm literally failing courses. Right. Um, like, not handing things and starting things, not finishing them. Because, like, that self-worth, that self-confidence was also affecting my schoolwork. Of course. I felt like um, I didn't feel like anything I was doing was right. Mm-hmm. Because um, I'm like, I'm, I'm... I'm not doing all the activism stuff on top of doing my schoolwork and be, and becoming successful, like the way that I see it. Right. Right. Um, Like that wasn't how it was, it was happening for me. I wasn't able to, to keep up and wasn't really giving myself a time to um, figure out how it is that I learn, how much time do I actually need to do something? Right. Like, even if it like I'm not having and not shaming myself for that, like not yes. feeling ashamed mm-hmm. that I cannot pull all liners anymore. <laughs> not feeling ashamed right. that I cannot, um, you know, write papers um, like in a week <laughs> or like finish a reading in an hour, mm-hmm. like not feeling ashamed about that stuff. Right. right. Um, but I felt so much shame that I couldn't do these things. And the reason why I never just stopped taking courses and took a break is because I'm like, nah, I can do this. I know that I can do this. Right. So you push yourself um, even harder, but I, and I pushed myself and I'm like, I uh, like in, in retrospect, I actually couldn't. And that was actually fine as well. Like I didn't have to, mm-hmm. I think back and I'm like, if I had just taken two years off, I would have been much better than spending like, almost a decade in school trying to finish and like spending three years just solely failing Mm. coursework and that, and those grades not showing at all what I was going through um, in those moments. Cause even beyond like me being a part of my black students associate, like association at York and stuff like that, it was a lot to deal with because now I'm dealing, cause you're dealing with people, in these spaces 
who have their own stuff as well. But beyond that, like the, the, the structural things in terms of like um, patriarchy and misogynoir and mm. um, uh, fat phobia yes. and shadism and how those can reflect as to how people treat you when you're in a position of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my right. As, as a black woman, like ha- having those intersections. Oh yes. And then, um, yeah, just, and, and within that, just not giving, just, just feeling like you have to keep on giving and giving and giving and like in spaces that are just taking from you at the end of the day, because again, when you are performing, when you are perform in performance of black womanhood in the way that people expect you to, mm-hmm. people will take oh, and they'll leave. 100%. They'll take and they'll leave and they won't add anything. They'll have their two cents to say about who you are and how your attitude is and whatever the case may be, but not at all um, an understanding of like who you are as a human being and that you're allowed to make mistakes and that you're allowed to learn from them and that you're just allowed to be in a way that like um, you are like that, that you can grow. Right. right? right. Um, But the expectation and this, like this, the veil of perfection that is put on certain women in certain spaces doesn't really allow for like growth. Yes. You know, and then people will treat you a particular kind of way um, because they think because of, because of who they think you are, but not, not about like who you actually are. It's almost like that black, um, it's that black woman superhero complex kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, very much so. you know, it's, it's, you know, I can do all things and I can be all things and let people take and, and take and take, but that's okay because I have the shoulders to, to carry all of this quote unquote. <laughs> right. So, yeah. and, and that's, and that's the, that's the script that a lot of us of black women, Caribbean black women have yeah. been given. It's been handed down and, and, generation yeah, to generation thank to generation. You. It's like the same script. Oh, and, yeah. the, and the thing is, no one, it seems like no one wants to question the script. Yeah. You know, where's the truth in this script that mm-hmm. keeps on being handed down? You're just supposed to hand it down, swallow it, and, and perform that same script over and over again. And, and when you challenge it, there's a problem. Yeah, and where does, yeah. where does it say that our strength lies in what we carry? Why doesn't it say our strength lies in what we put down? We choose to put down. Hey. Yeah. See, hey. we're, not, we're, we're not taught that, and it's... And yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm I'm learning that I'm learning that part now. Um, ah, that actually that took, segues into that. Took, that came with like extreme loss, unfortunately. Shaniqua, okay. this uh, segues. I I don't mean to cut you, but this segues right into our next question of asking, "Where are you now?" Yeah. So this is actually it's perfect that you're talking. Perfect that you're, perfect you're, that you're talking about this. About this. <laughs> okay, great, great. I'm glad that I'm on track. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I can be a little bit all over, so I'm really happy. No, no, you're actually, it's perfect because our our next question was, where are you now? So it's perfect. Well, um, I'm going to take it back a little bit and then it will help me into where I am now. Perfect, perfect, yes. Um, So where things peaked for me was in um, 2017. So in 2017... Um, in the summer of 2017, I lost a friend. 
um, really close friend to um, me and my family even. And it set me for a spiral um, because it was just so sudden. It was like one of those things where the person is here and then they're not. And that threw me for a loop because, you know, when you're younger, I think sometimes we don't really take in the fact that, like, you know, the whole cliche quote of life being short is what it is. Right. You know, life being short. And um, years up to that, I was super indulged. Like, I want to also mention, like, years up to that, I was super indulgent in certain things. Like, I was drinking a little bit more. I was eating a little bit more. So, like, in between this, like, weight is fluctuating and stuff like that. And then this situation happened. Mm -hmm. And it got worse. Um, And... I was involved, I I was still involved with the Black Students Association, Um, had a great group of people that year, so, you know, and some of, some with some, I'm, like, still really good friends with, thankfully, so I was working on um, a Black History Month program that year that was a little bit bigger, we had a little bit more of a budget, and I was doing I was doing a lot. I was trying to do my best to like make sure that, you know, with my team and in collaboration with another, um, with another body at the school, I was doing the best that I could. Um, And again, like not recognizing the ways in which that stress and stuff can manifest in the body. So um, at the beginning of that term, there were workers that were protesting for fairer wages and um, some of us went to the protest and at that protest, I was verbally assaulted by um, a, a black man who felt that I had silenced him in some way. Okay. Oh. I won't get into the details, but all in all, he calls me all the names. Um, and that were like misogynistic and fat phobic and all those things. Um, and again, thankful to have a, had a supportive group, but I didn't like, I wasn't, because of how aggressive that person had, had reacted to me. And like, this is the way that we can see in like how toxic masculinity can be, um, when it's unchecked because, Uh because of the fact that you felt that I silenced you um, rather than you pulling me aside and saying, Hey, I didn't like this. Right. Like a human being, because I'm a woman and you feel like I need to know my place and be quiet rather than having that conversation with me, you rather embarrass me and yell at me in the same ways because you want to garner your madhood. Okay. But that's, that's not my story to tell. Mm-hmm. So I will continue. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so that had a, huge effect on me. Um, I had, or I was already registered. I made sure to register within the school, um, support systems to make sure that like, you know, if I needed some extra time on an assignment that I can get it. Yes. Um, but there was a, there was a new way of, of, there was a new space of support that were, that was open for people who needed even a little bit more. Right. Um, after that situation, 
I was like, I was just, I was really scared, first of all, because this person was the person that frequented the office, um, as well as um, just knew, 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 like, my whereabouts and stuff. So I was afraid at a point in time to, like, go to class because I was just like, I don't know what this, I don't know what this person is capable of if they felt like they need to, they needed to act out in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the extent of that, I had to, again, figure out the bureaucratic process on my own Go, I had to go report it. And then I was able to apply for what they have at York is like the mental health, um, disability student, um, support. Um, I think right now they call it student accessibility services. I had to apply for that, go through that process. Um, and was able to get like a little bit of like relief and support from that. Um, so that was the first thing that, well, that was the second thing that happened that year rather. (laughs) So black history month comes around. Um, and Again, I'm planning and really pushing, and it's the day before one of our first events. And I guess within that week, my breathing was just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Oh, boy. And um, I went to go to my friend's office because we were working and collaborating on a on an event together. And she asked me, like, is that your breathing? Are you breathing that heavy? I'm like, wow. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, my, my throat kind of feels like really swollen like I think something's kind of blocking my you know my airway and I said it so like matter-of-factly like not really like digesting the fact that my my breath is nearly gone oh my Mm -hmm. goodness and she was like yeah you need to go to the hospital I'm like okay I'll go later literally sat down ate something was talking with friends and then we were talking like in the office we were just talking about like you know, how we were feeling health-wise. And one person mentioned that um, they called into telehealth um, Canada to, like, you know, because you can get your, like, your tell them your symptoms and they'll let you know what's going on. Yeah. So I did that. I told them, like, yeah, I'm breathing really heavy. This is how it feels. Um, and it's taking a lot to breathe right now. And they're like, okay. And, like, as calm as possible, she's like, okay, where are you? And I said where I was. She's like, okay, we're sending an ambulance to you right now. I'm like, okay. She's like, where are you located? She's like, yeah, go outside, wait. Don't move. We're sending you an ambulance. Oh, wow. Paramedics came, asked me what's going on. I told them. They've, I, they brought a stretcher. They put me in the stretcher, gave me... Um, um, like in, in the ambulance on the way to the hospital gave me some uh, like an asthma, like some puffer, mm-hmm. some of a puffer um, and had me on oxygen for a bit and then saw the doctor and was telling me what was going on and I was prescribed like a puffer and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty much like I was having an asthma attack. Oh my goodness. Wow. But because of the disassociation that I had with myself about my work output, my self-worth and all, how all these things are intertwined and like where my value is and what mattered, like my priorities were not straight. And I literally 
I wouldn't have gone to the hospital. A friend I was texting was like, you should probably go to the hospital if it involves you breathing. I wouldn't have gone at that time because yes. I'm like, I have stuff to do. Oh, wow. That's when, when that happened, that's when I realized I'm like, no, there has to be a shift. Mm. Okay. Third thing that happened was that again, I've been, I was very indulgent. Third thing that happened is that I was diagnosed with pre-diabetes oh, no. in mm. April of 2018. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, Diabetes runs in my family. Mm-hmm. My grandfather had it. Diabetes, high blood pressure, those things run in my family. And when, and that sealed the deal for me because, you know, my grandfather had it to the point where, like, you know, he had to lose a leg, he lost his sight, all all the things that can happen to a person yes. that um, deals with uh, diabetes. And knowing that, like, and having an uncle that has it, just knowing how close it is, right, to, in my bloodline. And then being in the doctor's office and hearing that I had, like, pre-diabetes, I was, I was terrified. And I kind of just went numb. I went numb. And then the thing that made it even more, more, like, pressing for me is the fact that um, I was still like fairly self-destructive in that my, my eating habits didn't change right away. My workout habits, like certain things that I need to change, it didn't happen right away until like my best friend, who's like my sister came to me crying and was like, you are hurting yourself. Oh my goodness. Like you are not, you may not be practicing self-harm in the ways that we know self-harm to be practiced, but you are hurting yourself by continuing to do these things, knowing your condition, like bawling her eyes out for me. And I'm like, who am I? (laughs) You know, like I didn't even, it didn't even register as to how heavy it was until she came to me that way. Because this person knows me like, you know, really really well and like Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends were like when I told them the diagnosis like they're like okay one of my friends was just sending me all these like articles and stuff like she's a research type gal so she was (laughs) sending me all this stuff and was like here's what it is all you really need to do is like do this and you'll be great let me know if you need anything else oh wow you know (laughs) told my cousin and he sent me like a trainer you know and like was like, you know, I know this guy, he's good, he's well-priced, you know. Um, and things started to shift from there, thankfully. Um, and I was, you know, through that process, through that summer, and, like, just really trying to make sure that I was taking care of myself, um, you know, I was able to ground myself a little bit more spiritually. Okay, um, good. And uh, just have some real conversations. I think, like, like brutally honest conversations with myself as to where, like where I'm at, where do I want to be? And like, who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's where that journey of healing started for me. Mm-hmm. Like in that summer of like 2018, I could probably say, cause I was doing like, um, 
you know, consistent Bible studies with my friend and we're just having like some serious, real conversations about our lives um, and what we wanted and stuff like that. And uh, spiritually, I was pushed in terms of like, you know, self-development and growth that um, I wanted of myself and from myself mm-hmm. that um, thankfully came through because um, I was determined to heal. I am determined to heal. Um, Because, you know, like my anxiety at a point in time, it had led to, it led to depression. Okay. And um, I had went through, I went, I did go through the experience of being on um, antidepressants. It was that summer of 2018 that I decided to stop because I, I couldn't understand like, what it was supposed to make me feel. I see. Um, so for me, it didn't work. Like, yeah, I it, don't think, I don't ever want to put a damper on chemical therapy mm-hmm. because there are people who figure out their dosages and are able to go through that process and it works for them. Right. Yes. Um, and I don't ever want to down chemical therapy, whatever therapy people need, people need to take um, that is helpful and not destructive to wh- where they are, where they're at. I will, push for them to do it mm-hmm. but for me it was just it didn't it wasn't doing what I don't know what I was expecting it to do but I and I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it like I didn't really always feel like I can talk to my doctor oh. like if I had told my doctor I want to stop taking to this what taking this what would have been the reaction um and the process of doing like from my understanding from people in my life who um do take medication the process of um taking the medication is something that you it's like step-by-step process that you do with like a psychotherapist you know someone who is like able to even give you the prescription for the medication Mm -hmm. um you know who knows if i might need need to do that later on but and you know at that moment i was like this is not working for me so i just really like continued with um doing my best in changing my eating habits and um you know working out I was outside a lot more and a little bit more active because the job that I was doing was within um gardening which is a part of my healing process Ah. I really love um gardening Gardening. I really love planting and gardening and all that kind of stuff Yes. What I really appreciate what you what you're saying, and and I pre, and I appreciate um, the what you've said, and for the listeners to hear this is is that not one thing necessarily works for everybody. Um, yeah. You know, you know, and and I'm glad you said I go. You know, you're like, listen, you know, medication may not be for everybody. Um, to me, if there was one way of healing, then everyone would be doing that one way of healing, so true, yes. you know, so what I appreciate you saying is, is that, you know, the medication was not for, for me. Um, and with medication, medication can be prescribed by your family doctor, it could be prescribed by a psychiatrist. Um, and either one of them can technically follow in terms of dosage and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, a psychiatrist is more well-trained to actually figure out sort of, you know, dosage and, and that kind of thing because that's what they specialize in mm-hmm. um but but in the in that you know the difficulty lies in in you're right the dosage you know what dosage is going to be good for one person may not be good for another and you know if you feel that you you are not getting that benefit from it 
what I'm so glad you said is that there's other things that you've implemented in your life to facilitate, you know, that healing for yourself. You know, you're talking about Bible study and being able to ask the, you know, have a, it sounds like you also have a good social support that you've been able to, you know, do Bible study mm-hmm. with a friend. You've been able to garden. You've garden, been able to, yes. to look at what you're eating. You're looking at, you know, being active, all of these things and components come into play when it comes to, your healing. So what I appreciate is what may work for some people may not work for others. So I appreciate, I appreciate the personalization of, of your journey and your, and your healing journey that, I mean, it also sounds like it's a continued journey. It's yeah, not like yes. the journey stopped, so it doesn't right? Stop. It seems like it's continuing. No. Yes. Because it's it shifted. Like how I, how I learn, how I, do things and how I am is not it's not the same from like from like a few years ago so um yeah like in terms of how I was able to continue that healing I'm really thankful for the people I have in my life that I was able to talk to about this nice um as well as um you know even like you know my aunt and the and I guess like the fact that my family recognized that things were different and did the best they could in trying to, in, in, I'm not even saying trying in supporting that change, you know, and supporting like, um, the shifts that I needed to make and also not shaming me for what, um, I like for not having finished school yet. Right. Cause that's the other component to the story that I'm thankfully in my last year. Ah, (laughs) beautiful. Okay. thankfully in my last year officially and um uh, will be finished by fall All right. and um you know every day's still a battle like you know like i like my anxiety is like up and down and i think i've done a lot i've had to do a lot of work um and recognizing my triggers right recognizing mm-hmm. um like flare-ups or recognizing, like, just recognizing the things that might um, agitate my anxiety. I had to do a a lot of work, and I'm still, like, I'm still recognizing, like, what things might, like, trigger, like, um, anxiety attacks or... And that's the, and that in itself is an in-depth word because I I remember when I had to learn what my triggers are, and, and I know for me, my triggers start with how my body starts to react you know, yeah. it, will, it will start I in my well. body, the, 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 the sweating of the palms or, you know, starting getting that, um, uneasiness in my stomach. I want to jump to our last question, Shaniqua, and I want to ask how can we change the stigma in the black community? Uh, the biggest thing that I've recognized that a lot that we are doing, I think a lot of times when we talk about certain things in the black community, like we talk about it in a way that we haven't done it yet. And where there's so much more that we need to be done in the space of mental health um, within the black community, I think that platforms like these and many other platforms that have been coming up are great because the first thing that needs to happen is that we can't be silent about it anymore. That's right. Right. Like we need to really um, break the silence and talk about, what it is that like we're dealing with, like try to like, whereas the language can be daunting and um, kind of heavy, 
using that language to talk about what it is that we're we're dealing with and then figuring out not only um you know the physical ways to deal with it to support us mentally but also like um the spiritual the ancestral like there are things that people in their communities have done to support one another when they recognize um that people are not doing great you know like there are ways that there are ways that we have supported each other um historically as well as presently um yeah i think that talking about it is helpful i think that recognizing and accepting what you're dealing with is also helpful as well um and that what you're dealing with is not your identity that it's a part Mm. of you but it's not who you are um that's powerful in the sense in the sense that yes i'm a person living with like i'm a person living with anxiety but the anxiety is not who i am mm-hmm. as i mentioned i'm a, I'm a gardener i'm a creative um i'm an auntie have lots of new babies in my life i'm very happy about it very excited <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm funny i love i love to be active um i love dancing i love you know i like there's so many different parts to who i am um and and that's okay. Like you can be a person living with a mental um, illness, but like that mental illness doesn't have to overcome you. It doesn't have to take you in a way that you are no longer yourself. Cause that's kind of like what happened with, with me. I didn't, I wasn't myself. And I would say like within the last year till now is when, or like mid 2018 till now is like when I felt the most, my like the most myself, um, because I opened myself up to understanding what I was I was dealing with and looking at the full picture of who I am rather than like looking at the negative, right? And that it's like so many other things can also um, influence the illnesses that you're dealing with, right? So it's like I would encourage folks to do work within self-actualization in terms of um, knowing your worth, mm, knowing the yes. power that you have, um, doing your best in building your confidence, you know, self-love, uh, self-care, but in a way that like is constructive for you and practical for you and being practical about these things as well, you know, cause there's so many different factors as to how things can affect our mental health. Um, you know, poverty, gender that's right sexuality and all these things and all these different intersections and how people um may may influence those things in a either positive or negative way right um and it's just finding your space finding your tribe finding like um places that you can feel safe and talk to people about what you're dealing with um in a judgmental free space Yes. Um, and yeah, just one thing that's been helping me is recently, it, like especially with right now, we're in the middle of COVID nineteen <laughs> social distancing lockdown. It's pretty pretty intense. With with this, you know, finding your tune for yourself, um, 
you know, like what's been like having a morning routine, having a night routine, um, and just utilizing whatever resource that you have. Like if it's social media, um, and you need to, if you reach out to people on social media or have a message on social media, do that. Like whatever, whatever brings you joy. That's yes. Right. You know, grounding yourself in whatever brings you joy. So for me, that's again like. Uh, my friend and I, we have our, you know, our worship and we pray and we fast, but I also do yoga. I burn my sage. Mm-hmm. I have my, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind it at all because I'm black. And uh-huh. I'm too. That's yes. it. Yes. Amen. Uh, I have, Amen. I have, <laughs> I have my incense. I have my crystals. Um, yes. Do you have your Apollo? Do you have do you have your Paula Santalwood? A lot of his mercy. I got my meditation. Sonique, <laughs> what did you hear that one? Sorry? Do you have your Paula Santalwood? Jeez. Uh. <laughs> Do you know what that is? I, I don't have that one. Oh, well, you need that. What you need, you need that. I just have the sage because, you the know, sages, my auntie, The sage is top my notch. My auntie doesn't really, my auntie's not really too much of a fan of the smoke. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I just try to burn the sage when I can. Right, um, right. But I I don't have the I don't have the Palo Santo I don't have that. Uh, but it's, I know it's that actually stuff is has a it has a beautiful smell. It has a beautiful it smell. Does. Yeah, it does. And for me, like what's been what's been amazing, amazing. Like the like a huge source of grounding for me um, that I try to practice as much as possible is like my plants. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Random, like in between all of this stuff, um, I was introduced. Like, well, family history-wise, there is agricultural agriculture there. Like, my far- my grandfather had a farm, and all my aunts and my uncles, you know, used to work on that farm. And coming back, they would have lots of plants in the house and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then a f- uh, a friend of a friend who's like kind of like who who works within spirituality was telling me like, you know, you have a green thumb, but you don't know it. And then the next time I went to a, I went to a farm. Um, and I felt like I was literally vibrating Oh wow! (laughs) because of how intense the energy was. Wow. Um, and that space of, of like growing and like sun and community and all that kind of stuff. And that has been incredibly grounding for me. That's amazing. Um, Amen. And I've just been trying to continue that, like, as much as possible. Um, you that, know, like, just try to make sure that I have plants everywhere at all times. Um, my aunt, again, is just like, where are you going to put all these plants? My house is going to be a little bit of a jungle, but that's it's okay. All right. that's, all right. that's, right. that's, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. So, Nicole, we're going to wrap up our session, our episode. But before we do, I like to call this uh, question. We have one more question for you, by the way. And we're going to call this the, yeah. I call this the fun question. Okay. If you could s- summarize your entire journey that you've uh, been through and that you're going through with just one single word. What would that word be? Sankofa. Oh Lord, hello. Take repeat um, that. Woo. Please repeat that because I feel like Dr. Natasha yes. got into the Holy Spirit. <laughs> say it again so I can write this down. <laughs> um one more time, so, please. One say more it time, again. please. 
Sankofa. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I think maybe that's the word that's not in my vocabulary. If you could please elaborate. Oh, okay. So I mentioned my mother's from from Dominica. My father is from Ghana. Okay. Okay. Um, and I was introduced to indigenous nipples like within high school around that time. And this one stood out to me the most because it means um, to reach back and get it. Hey, your hey, your future. So a lot of my experience um, within all the things that I've been like, all, a lot of my experience, that symbol, that meaning has stood out to me because I've always had to like, I always had to been like throughout this whole entire time. I was always retrospective. Like I was always looking back um, and like, looking at like what was different then what was happening then what did I do then what was wrong then where was I at then and this thing is happening now where these feelings are happening now what is the difference how can I support myself how do I need to make shifts like how to like how do I mm-hmm. deal with this um in another way like so the past sometimes being a, a place that is not the greatest right, right. um but there are lessons there Yes, And the lessons that are there can help your future. Like with the new knowledge that you have now that you've been able to, you know, divinely download, so to speak, um, helps you to understand your past. And then it helps you with understanding what you need to do in your future. Mm. So Sankofa is a, a, a huge, it's like, it's like a symbol that really, um, is like embedded in my heart because that's I'm a I'm a person that I love looking in the past to see how it's helped the future and how to do things differently and that's just something that was a huge part of my journey personally um, with my like with like self love self self worth um, and self actualization. That's perfect. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Oh my goodness, Shaniqua. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for your energy, Energy. for sharing your story. I know that our listeners are going to benefit greatly from what you have shared. Um, And I know it's going to elicit healing in our community. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Please keep on doing what you're doing. And, you know, you as you mentioned it's a journey and you know i i pray god's speed and light and strength for your journey thank you thank you so much thank you so much for having me you've reached the end of another episode of the blind stigma podcast with your hosts stacy ann buchanan and dr natasha williams Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener and you like the show, then please subscribe, rate, and review us on all the major podcast platforms. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at The Blind Stigma and join the conversation. Find out more about each guest and help us to change the stigma while taking back our narratives. This podcast is produced by What's Up Toronto and Stacey Ann Buchanan Productions.